Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Rich Check Podcast. Episode 38. The gang's back together again, minus one. Yes. Uh, my name is Perry. I'm Rashawn. And we make up the Rich Tech Podcast. Mine is Ben. He's not here tonight. He's traveling. Took a little trip to get a tattoo. When Shout you out. live this lifestyle, that's the kind of things you do, apparently. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Frank William. Shout out to Frank. Ben went to Texas to go get tatted by Frank. Frank, who's been on the show. Yes. Uh, and uh, we'll be reunited with our partner in crime tomorrow. Yes. But tonight, we have a special guest. Uh, we have two. We have our co-host for this evening. Uh, you might recognize him from episode 37, which just premiered last week. Yes. <laughs> Tyler Busher. Welcome back. Yes. Thank you. Back, now Thank you're you in the much. studio. You're in the studio. So, so there's, no, like, there's no live round of applause. Yeah. No, we no. need to like <laughs> clap you in. Just we're, missing the button. Button. we're missing 125 people. Yes. <laughs> yes. For sure. This feels a little scarier. I'm not even going to lie. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, you're naturally. You'll be fine. Because I see Jenny's face and now she's like, <laughs> don't say anything crazy. And uh, tonight we have a special guest on the couch. We have Robin telling Dick. Yes. Well, congrats for saying my name right. Yeah. <laughs> congrats, congrats. Uh, founder of Watch Company, Atelier Wen. Yeah, exactly. Very, very happy to be here. Thanks Welcome. For, for the invite, guys. Of course. Thank yes. you. Yes. Happy to have you. We're going to have some fun this evening. We're going to get into uh, some of your background and, yep. and the history of this fantastic uh, watch company uh, that's making some waves and uh, getting out there. But first, we'll be a wrist check podcast without an honorary wrist check. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, the man who never repeats a watch. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I will kick it off. Um, you know something? I have to say, you know, there's been a lot of pressure on me for not repeating a watch. <laughs> but I acquired a few timepieces that I actually love and appreciate, and I actually want to repeat. Now, this is what I will say, because there is method to my madness. Same watch, different strap. Okay. <laughs> I am wearing the Rolex Cellini. Yes. From the early 2000s. Of course, you guys know, two-tone precious metal. So this is not steel. Mm. White gold case, rose gold bezel, rose gold indices. So let me just interject real quick. <laughs> Please. Okay. So <laughs> this piece, you did repeat it, but yes. not everyone saw it. Not everyone saw. Because that episode is on Patreon. Oh, yes. <laughs> so this is kind of like a new watch for the folks that yes. have not subscribed. So um, thank you, Perry, for clearing things up. So I think I can still hold my title. Sure. <laughs> for tonight. Um, the funniest thing is when we were off camera and just like talking with Robin, he asked like, you know, why did I choose this watch? This watch is an oddball. I mean, 
you know, when Cellini's were available, it was definitely like the last pick of the litter. Mm-hmm. But what I've always shared on the show is my love and appreciate for Rolex and what it what joy it brought me personally, just the connection with my father. And, you know, to answer your question now that we're here, um, this is a piece that I would love to offer my son on his wedding day. Wow. Sweet. That's um, just, I feel like if you get married in a watch, it should be a dress watch. Yeah. And why not be anything but this? <laughs> Two tone precious metals. Two tone precious metals. Rollosaur. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 So I mean, when I when I picked this up, I I, I just knew it knew it was one of the ones. I knew this was it. Um it 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 definitely like checks all the boxes that I needed to. And then add in like this patent um leather sh- crock and gives like the pop because the case is still mint. Yeah. Mm. So this watch hasn't been polished, although it's 24 years old. And it's is it a manual wound movement? Is manual wound, no. no seconds hand. Uh, if I were to use your words, it'd be a magic trick. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I love dress watches without seconds hands. This that's that's a proper proper dress watch. Proper <laughs> dress watch, but it should be all white gold. Oh, you think so? I mean, that's what I've heard. I mean, I just was watching some. I was watching YouTube. That's all. Okay. <laughs> well, this is WCP. We break the uh, we break we break rules. We break we, the mold. we break the rules. We break the mold. Um, but I I love this watch. I love this watch, and you know, casually wearing it. Um, I mean, I'm wearing boots, like wide-legged jeans, a turtleneck, and a cowboy hat for like guys that are fits. listening. No, it looks good. Yeah, but it still works. Like. You know, you would think that you'd be in like a black tie moment or like some kind of cocktail dinner, but it's like, man, I like lasso it's a me. Rolex, wear it. Yes. Where lasso me help? some cattle. I think lasso it's, 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 that's an everyday watch. Yes. Definitely. Is. I think every, uh, a Rolex dress watch should be an everyday watch. And yeah. even that, because I've seen it on the original band. Yes. This strap makes it look like a totally different watch. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. 100%. It's great. 100%. It's good. I love yeah. it. Thank you, guys. Um, Tyler, what do you got for us? I am the man who always repeats a watch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same watch from the last episode. The Ike Pod, Chronopod, 003. Watch so nice you wore it twice, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I love it. Yes. And yeah. I love it. I mean, it just, it makes me feel happy every time I see it. The US, it's like a UFO, and I'm into that. I've said it last time, so you can go look. Um. It's very silky on the hands too. The case feels it nice. Is. Yes. Very, and it doesn't move. It doesn't yeah. feel like I'm wearing anything. It's heavy. Yeah. But it, it doesn't feel it's like I'm wearing watch. anything. It's just like it's all the shape. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. The design too makes it like very luxe. It just you 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 can't tell what it is. It is like a UFO yeah. to that point. But when you look at the craftsmanship, but like the simplicity, it's like actually I should ask what that is. Yeah, I feel feel like that's like the reaction you get when you see it's like, I should ask what that is. And we talked about this before in the last episode. So this this watch, though, no longer owned by Mark Newson, this company was originally designed by him and in many ways resembles the Apple Watch, which he's also partly responsible for that design. But you also have a strap that is 
very, very similar to the Apple Watch strap. The yes. only difference is the, the it buckle. has a buckle. Yeah. It has yeah. a tank buckle, yeah. yeah. But they do sell the original straps, vintage straps on mm-hmm. the website. This is not a plug, but I do, I really, to me, that makes it. Yeah. That original strap. And I think the only thing that makes me feel any different about it is the buckle. Yeah. 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 That's a cool, it also too, like speaking to the strap, it has like this integrated part that like. It goes in. It yeah. goes in. Mm-hmm. But that's Apple Watch. Tell. That was the whole good thing about yep. the original Apple Watch mm-hmm. that it felt like it was part of the watch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. While still being like super sporty. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Um, I'm wearing a new watch tonight. Yes. I'm wearing um, Seiko Kosuke Kawamura. Mm. Uh, Kosuke Kawamura is a Japanese artist. He uh, is a collage artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had caught wind of this piece getting released in the summer. I think it was August. It was like mid, early August. And um, I saw it on Instagram and I was like, I have to figure out where to get this watch from. Yes. Because it was a limited edition. Yes. Uh, they made 3,000 pieces. So quite a, quite a few. Yes. Uh, so I knew I had a fairly good chance at getting one. But the reason why I really wanted this, there was another Seiko I was after, the Time Sonar, which I absolutely love. And it had this, um, similar to this one, it had this uh, like clear see-through dial where you could see the date wheel uh, and the, you could see the day, actual date and then the kanji date wheel. And um, I thought that watch was awesome. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw this one come out, I realized that the connection between this and that was that Kosuke um, was drawing inspiration from several uh, of his favorite Seiko pieces mm. and combining them all in one watch, much like he does with his art. And one of those references was the time sonar. So when I, I realized that they combined uh, both dial colors into one watch, wow! I was like, man, I got to get this. Mm-hmm. And um, a gentleman by the name of Derek Mon, Shout whom we know well. Mon. You might know him on Instagram as the Minute Mon. Yes, sir. Uh, who is uh, owner of Caraco in Queens. Yes. Um, is a big Seiko collector himself. Deals in Grand Seiko and Seiko. And we reached out to him and he was able to to hold one for us. And, and I was able to acquire this watch. Yes. And I'm very, very happy with it. Um, I did take it off the bracelet. I found a, a NATO strap that the uh, is sporty enough, but still the colors kind of go back to the dial. Mm-hmm. Um, just makes it fun for me. It makes the watch feel a little more 90s. It's gonna um, say like it reminds me of like night like it reminds me of like a nineties New York Knicks jersey. Well, yeah, that's good. That's kind of what I was going for because the time sonar I think was like maybe late eighties, early nineties. Yes. Um. And so the strap brings me back to that. That's when that's when we were good. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Sad to say. Um. But no, I've been having a lot of fun with this piece and uh, really, really enjoying it. Um. It's not every day that I, I find a Seiko that makes me smile. I feel like everyone has at least one. Yes. This is this one is mine. So For I'm sure. really, really enjoying this. For sure. Robin. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the man of the hour. 
the man of the web actually i've been repeating repeating for the past few months sure. so, uh, yeah yeah so i mean i'm uh, committing more since then than, than you sorry uh yeah so i'm wearing actually a, a prototype of a latest series which is called um perception yes um but this one is is a bit different because it's actually the the latest latest prototype and i just had it last friday so that was two days ago and it's sort of the first time i'm wearing it um and and yeah and the, the really the the particularity of that watch that you have a, a handmade gear shadale mm. uh, by the only guy in the whole of china and also whole of asia to do like handmade gear yeah uh, that's what makes it as for hard uh, hard for us sorry to to do it mm-hmm. uh, also what makes it so pretty because you have this very intricate like depth effect and it's it's, it's really nice mm-hmm. um yeah so that's that's what i'm wearing today of uh, course pro perception i wouldn't expect you to come any different yeah yeah no that, that would have been a bit <laughs> weird like uh, yeah yeah i mean actually you know i thought a bit about it because i took another watch with me so i was like oh you know like maybe i should wear something else <laughs> no not to be like that cliche uh but yeah in the end like that yeah i think no, my, my co-founder would kill me if i were wearing something else sure watch, so, yeah. we're here to talk about atelier one yep. so yep, yep. it's only right so getting right into it i got a question for you sure it's one thing uh, you're surrounded by people who love design, objects, wristwatches, etc. And so we're all very passionate mm-hmm. about things. Yep. And so it's one thing to, to love a watch. It's another thing to start a watch company. Yeah. So yeah, how, yeah. Did, how did this come about? How did you make this transition? You, you, you know, I, I think it's a bit like what we were discussing beforehand. Uh, it doesn't like... You don't make you don't take the the decision to to make the transition happen. It's just like just go with the flow and it happens. Mm. Um, so the way it actually happened, like for for me, is that um, I mean I've always been into Chinese watches because when I started collecting, I was fourteen years old, and uh, it's like my parents gave me a quartz Seiko chronograph for my fourteenth birthday. I got hooked. Very soon, I wanted a mechanical watch, but you know, at fourteen, you don't have the the budget to buy a mm-hmm. Tissot or Hamilton. And uh, online, I saw that for like tw- 15, 20 euros, you could get like automatic watches from China. So yeah, that, that's how I got into Chinese watches. I got more and more and I, w- I was really passionate about mm. it. And, uh, and, and like w- when I was in, in uni in my third year, I went to like study abroad in, in Beijing. Uh, and I, I befriended another guy from my course uh, who was also very much into like Chinese things. And then when we w- w- both went back to the UK, all our friends had graduated because they didn't do year abroad. So we were like alone and a bit bored. And then, you know, we sort of like started thinking like, well, wh- why don't we, we do something together? Why don't we do something that relates to like Chinese culture? But back then it was just a thought experiment. It was mm. really like something to, to, to fill in like the, 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 the boredom. Mm. Uh, so we were just thinking like, oh, we should do it like that. That should be the concept. We should be making watches. And at some point, we thought we'd be doing like sort of like leather accessories. I could have been leather accessories and maybe I could be making belts today. But no, we, we, I mean, we went for watches, but it was purely a sort of experiment. Mm. And then like my, so my friend and partner went to like do his master's in, in Beijing. And we sort of like took it a, a bit further. You know, we were like, oh, why don't we look for designers? So we looked for designers. Why don't we actually do designs? So we did designs. Then why don't we start doing prototypes? We did prototypes and then it's like we had both finished our studies and we had working prototypes and we were like you know what i mean at this stage why don't we just try to launch this thing see how it goes 
Uh, worst case, no one wants to buy it. We just <laughs> go to like full-time, like regular jobs, like sure. all our classmates were doing. Mm. And yeah, so we launched it. And I mean, to our amazement, like people bought it and we're like, let's, <laughs> let's do that. Let's do that. And, and also it's, yeah, so, so we did that Kickstarter and I think we raised around like 80,000 US, which oh, for wow. us back then we felt like we were billionaires. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're like, yeah. Shit, it's like, yeah, let's do it. So we both moved to Hong Kong. Uh, to be close to our suppliers, to also be close to um, the Chinese market, because back then we thought it'd, it'd be a big thing. And then, like, without knowing, we were running a watch company. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. So, Robin, I have a question for you, because, um, so we have a tie to, like, fashion, hip-hop, and pop yeah. culture and things like this. So, like, when I think of, like, China, I'm thinking, like, Wu-Tang. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always have like, some fun analogy. So, like, of course, like, you know, let's say, for example, to Wu Tang, like their albums, it was always like Chinese, like Kung Fu movies. I know for sure, like, my dad, I grew up in the nine. we grew up in the 90s where, like, you know, your dad watched Chinese Kung Fu movies. What was it for you, especially, you know, because you're relatively a young guy? Mm. Um, what, what was it? about china because you did do your studies and everything there but like what was it about china what specific moment where you was like i want to go into chinese yeah. design you know it's, it's weird but actually for me the interest in china started with watches it was more like i got my first chinese watches and i don't know i kind of became curious about that mm. and then i was like why not taking like chinese classes so in high school i took like mm. chinese classes and then like I got sent to like a Chinese high school for like a few months mm. and I just loved it. I was like, oh, it's, it's actually, it's really nice. And then like, because of the watches, I got into Chinese culture. And then like when I was in my last year of high school, I was like, I have this one goal for when I go to uni is to spend like one year in Peking University. So I chose my university based on, on that. Mm. And, um, and yeah, so, but really for me, like the, the attraction to Chinese culture was the watches. As to then, mm. like when we were designing the watches, I think what we really wanted to show is that like there's more than the stereotypes because I, I don't know how it is here. I mean, mm -hmm. you can hear from my accent, but yes. I, come, I come from France. Yes. Uh, but it's like, at least in France, you know, people were like, oh, China is just a bunch of dragons, dragons and red and gold. And, and for them, that was Chinese aesthetics. But what I saw there, it was like widely different. So I was like, I mean, I, I want to show that it's not just about like the sort of like stereotypical understanding that one may have it's actually mm. like much more more rich but actually it's, it's super difficult because you're asking yourself like you know what what is modern chinese style especially in watches mm. and turns out that there's no answer to that so you sort of have to at least provide an answer yourself yes um it, it's really great because there's like huge creative freedom like you can do pretty much anything but it's also tough because it's it's not like i don't know if you're doing watches in switzerland and you want to do like a Swiss diver watches, you know, you have like very, very important like historical figures. And that's like, you, you see the trend, you see how it's the design language, like yes. modern Chinese style, like there, there's no such thing. So mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of creative freedom. And I think what we sought to do was to kind of go back to like pure like design concepts yes. and then try to apply them to the watch format. Yeah. But it's hard because you don't want to be figurative. You don't want to be like, sort of like too direct. You don't want to just put Chinese characters on your dial. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you want to reinterpret those 
um, those the, the, like concepts and yes. and be it understandable for, for people. Yeah. Very true. It's weird too because if you think about it, let's just say if you if you tap into like watches in general, yes, there are like Chinese watch brands, but I I don't necessarily see them as having like a design language. It does adapt from some other culture mm. other than like its own. Yeah, well, I definitely. Think the thing is too right. We forget sometimes how large that country is. Yeah. So, yeah. Right? Like, China is an extremely large country uh, with an amazing, uh, rich history in all art forms. I mean, some of the most talented artisans come from China. Yes. You're talking about painters. You were studying Chinese sculpture, um, you know, musicians, uh, you know, writers. And, uh, you know, I think about, um, you know, even chefs, like people who were involved in the culinary arts. Mm-hmm. Now, you call the brand, um, and this is a, a really good segue yeah. to it, right? The brand is called Atelier Wen. And when I think about the word Atelier, I think an artist studio. You know, I think artisan. I think someone who has probably started as an apprentice and become a master craftsman mm-hmm. of sort. Where does the name Wen fit in with Atelier Wen? Yeah, of course, of course. So, uh, Wen is like the Chinese word for culture. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, and I think it's like, you're very right. Like, the Atelier is, is a place where, like, you were an apprentice and then, like, you're learning, you're growing. You know, it's not like, it's not sort of like the master temple. It's not the factory. It, it's really a place where there's a journey. And um, we, we felt it resonated well with us because at the beginning, I mean, we sort of also knew that we didn't know that much. And I, I mean, we would learn like so much more along the journey mm. as to like what this like uh, Chinese like style, Chinese like aesthetics applied to, to watches could be. Um, but I think also the reason why we chose Atelier is, I mean, we hesitated quite a bit. At some point we thought, you know, we want to do Chinese watches. Why don't we have a full Chinese name? But then we looked at us and we're like, oh, but actually we're like two French guys. Like that'd yeah. be a bit like dishonest. Mm. and we're not Chinese. I mean, my partner, he was born in Hong Kong. He grew up in Hong Kong. He speaks Chinese like, like a local. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, still, like, he's, he's like a French parents. He also lived a bit in France. So we thought, like, the, the name we need to reflect who we are. Like, uh, so that's why we had, like, also this, like, French part of the name. So we're, like, two French guys, really passionate about Chinese culture. And that's we awesome. really want to, like, celebrate that and show it to the world. Like, mm. kind of, like, make it accessible to everyone. Oh, hence the both French and Chinese. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, one of your first releases yeah. is the the Porcelain Odyssey. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Which is a beautiful timepiece and you. was incredibly popular. Um, the question I, I, I ask that that I have is, you know, you make this endeavor to start a watch company. Mm-hmm. And which are, you know, in, in a foreign country for yourself, um, as a, as a person who is sort of, I guess, enamored with the culture and the arts in this country. And how do you then determine what's the first product you're going to release to enter the market? Like, I'm curious, like, how did, how did that come about? Because starting a watch company I imagine is already like incredibly scary mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then like deciding what the first point of entry is going to be with respect to product design, 
and everything that comes with that. How did this come about? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good question. Um, I think like very early on in the journey, we identified that it'd be great to have like some aspect of craft because you know we were thinking about what does like made in China stand for in people's mind, and unfortunately, to lots of people, like it has pretty much a bad image. Um, but still, like I mean. Pretty much also everyone knows that China is like very like well known for the craft, like mm -hmm. especially in its like history. So we very early on were like, okay, we need to have that bit of like the, the image of Made in China. We need to have some craft. So um so so we knew that. Then as to why porcelain, um actually that came second. Like first of all, like when we were designing porcelain Odyssey, the sort of like driving question for us was that. Uh, if we were to go back to the roots of modern Chinese watchmaking mm. and redo everything today, what would that watch look like? Mm. And, um, and modern Chinese watchmaking started in 1955. That's when, that's when they made the first like, wristwatch. And that watch was actually like, based on an existing, funny enough, French watch. Uh, mm. And so the aesthetic was actually like, very Western European. And then, like for the decades to come, like pretty much all watches made in China, like where had this like very sort of like 1950s European aesthetics. We were like, okay, let's go to that. Uh, let's start from this, uh, and then like how can we make it a more modern and be like with our goal of having like some craft. Mm. And I mean, we went through different options. We thought about doing like enamel and cloisonne, but that was like prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We thought about other stuff like lacquer. Actually, we, uh, for a long time, we thought, okay, we're going to do lacquer because lacquer is really pretty. Um, but turns out that from sort of like pure like feasibility point of view, like porcelain was sort of like the easiest to start with. And also we felt like in terms of like, look of the end product it would also be kind of like stronger because you know like lots of people know that you have this very typical chinese style like white right. and blue it's in quatsu um so we were like yeah it's gonna be more durable people are going to recognize it more it fits in perfectly with the uh, initial design aesthetics we want to follow so yeah that's that's how we got to, to porcelain interesting yeah so i was gonna ask because speaking to design um and then we got into like the dials, mm. right? Um, and you're talking about like your cost, being a startup, um, kind of figuring out what makes sense. Because if you think about enamel, enamel, the process seems simple, but to mm. kind of get the finished product, like you're losing maybe 70 to 80% yeah, of crazy. what you like invested the, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, or when you're creating enamel when you're creating enamel yeah, dials scrap rate is so high so with your design language and your specialty in hand finished guilloche in in the beginning i thought i was like man like because your price points are very very um i want to use the right right word i want to say it's inexpensive it's inexpensive but it's it's but it's also like it's very luxe. Mm. It's it's yeah, attainable because it's 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 not inexpensive in terms of quality. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't want right? to do cheap. So how does how no, you cut your it, cost? It's inexpensive in yeah. terms of like your retail price point. The amount of watch that you're getting, yes, for the price point that you guys charge is amazing. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Because hand gear shave from anyone, Patek, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about like that that kind of artwork. It's in like you know. The six, seven, 
eights of figures. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's just like out of the spectrum. And so, so it's like I just want to be clear to the uh, the watch that Rashawn is talking about now is is the watch that is on that I'm wearing. The, yes, the, and this is the perception. Yep, yep, yep. Which is the latest uh, offering from Atelier Wen yep. that uh, you're just still taking pre-orders for now right you're scheduled um, to deliver in november. yeah i mean i mean it's, it's close to pre-orders but yes. yeah they're all going to be delivered like late november yeah. so pre-orders are done yeah done, you, done, you can done, no done, longer order this watch yeah no but actually it's, it's really <laughs> complex i mean we're gonna be making some more but it's i mean because it's handmade the dial you know we can only make that many mm. so and i don't want people to wait like two years before they receive their watches so yeah, no, that's 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 done for now. Okay. But hopefully, like yeah, next year we'll be releasing some some extra ones. But in, in like in regards to your points about like having this sort of like value prop, we also felt it was a bit necessary because I mean we're coming out of nowhere. We have no credibility. We have no track record, and you have guys who've been there for so long. So we're like, I mean, let, let's offer like you know like something more. Let's make it so that hey, they they're gonna notice and they'll be like, wow, it's it's, it's actually a good good watch for for the price like besides the design besides the story there's actually like a strong value behind it so that's that's where yeah that's that's what we're, we're trying to do and yeah i mean as you were saying like Yoshi is super expensive i think the the sort of like most most affordable like swiss ones before it was like from louis Erard. uh there was around like four something k uh swiss franc otherwise lane which is starts at like 11. Yes. um so yes. so yeah it's i mean it's tough it's like purely purely handmade so yeah so then also too like a two-part question as far as design because i think you know where your dna is in like your dial mm-hmm. choice and like you know the efforts that you put into it and i think when you see a timepiece it is always the dial um you know for those who aren't as like you know familiar with watches you always say the face so it's like the face of the watch is like what attracts people but then you have like this beautiful integrated bracelet and this kind of like you know weird like octagonal but like geometrical kind of shape and like you know there's so many um brands that you can say it reference to Mm -hmm. but it still has like its own distinctness Mm -hmm. You said that there was a bit of a French like influence a bit, like as far as like Chinese design mm. when it came to timepieces. Was that a little bit of like what you guys were thinking, or like what was that specific brand? Yeah, um, I, I think for, for for this one, uh, yeah, that's just like something we got asked a bit because I mean, definitely it has this sort of like still integrated sport chic like aesthetic. Some people were like, oh, it's Genta design. Oh, it's, it's a bit like AP, it's a bit like uh, Patek. Yes. But to us, it's more like, you know, like so many brands are like doing those, those kind of like mm. d- design, like uh, kind of like trends. So much that it became a genre, like it became like those kind of like 70s, like steel watches. And, and we wanted that to, to be our take uh, on, this, on this new genre. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I completely agree on the fact that this genre was like mostly European, so not Chinese. So, that's where maybe like the the bit of like European like influence come from, mm-hmm. but then we really try to like make it like align with the brand DNA. So you look at the case. I mean, yeah, it may remind you of some of the brands, but what we are trying to do is like you have this sort of like it mimics the shape of a pagoda roof, 
uh, and you see it both ways. Here it's like not flat; it's, it's like angled, like a yes. like a roof again. And there's like lots yes. of like small points that are reminiscent of of like very like key like Chinese like uh, design, like aesthetic trends. Yeah, I agree. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So you guys are making a conscious effort to integrate uh, sort of Chinese heritage. Yep. Into the watches, um, as two French guys with the Chinese watch company, how how what's the response been like in the comp- in, in, in in the country? What's the response been like in China? Mm, I think the country is very big, so it's hard to like. Well, in get the cities it. where you have like, uh, I, I think like we we. It's like in, in Hong Kong, we got like really good response and uh, okay. Hong Kong became like one of the, one of the places where we have like one of the biggest communities. So mm. that has been great. Um, and ma- in Hong ma- Kong, let's, I want to outline too, there is a, a big watch community. Yeah, it, it, like it's, really it's a big watch, watch community. And, and I guess the advantage of Hong Kong is that it's very concentrated because mm. it's so small. And there's many people and many of them like watches. Yes. It's sort of like easier as well like to, to convey your message because mm. you just be in one place and, and that, that's enough. Um, in mainland China, actually, to be fully transparent with you, it's been like tougher. So we, we first tried actually to, to launch a brand in mainland China in 20, 2019. And that didn't go that well. Um, there, there are a few reasons for that. Um, the first one was that we realized that the cost of marketing is, is much higher mm. there. Um, very simply speaking, like the, the cost of visibility is higher and conversion rates are lower. So you need a very big budget if you really want to, to get mm-hmm. a lot of visibility. Um, then retail is still super important in China, especially like above like a certain price point. And that price point is very low. Um, and, and China is not one country where you, where you have like 80% of the demand concentrated in one place. Uh, it's pretty much all like spread over the tier one and tier two cities. So if you want to do it properly, you need to have like 15 points of sales, which right. is expensive. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, and then lastly, um, I feel like all those like Western brands, really good marketing jobs uh, <laughs> there. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's hard like to come up with the idea that, okay, it's, it's a Chinese product, but it's as good as like the, the Swiss ones, the German ones and so on. Um, so yeah, so that's an extra difficulty. But then we, we changed a bit because w- w- when we, yeah, when we were selling like the first series, uh, we really had sort of like boiling the ocean, like way of like um, trying to sell it. So we were like, okay, that's how is the country. We're going to target those medias. We're going to be on those forums. We're going to do this and that and that. Uh, a bit like, you know, like a, a funnel path, like you start very wide. And then you hope that you end up with like a, a few qualified people. Mm. That didn't go so well. So then what we did instead is that because we see our Chinese customers. So we looked at who they were, we identified them, we reached out to them. And then we're like, oh, you know what? We can like lend you like a prototype. Why don't you just like wear it around, um, show it to your friends, bring it to meetups. And it turns out that this worked so much better because um, those people that were meeting were like similar to them. And therefore they reacted like quite similarly to, to the watches. And, and yeah, so we were able to like move some I mean, more uh, following this strategy. Also, the thing with China is that it's such a diverse country that it's hard to, you know, I mean, you'll find like really, really like a lot of personals, a lot of behaviors. Mm. Um, so it's hard to, 
to think of it as like one unified market actually is loads and loads and loads of like different like pockets and stratums. Um, so you may be successful with one segment and not so much with another one. Uh, you just need to really like identify who is it that you're going to resonate with. Gotcha. You had a question? So outside of that, I always think about everything before. How hard was it on your journey to find proper manufacturing, proper artisans to actually create the watches? Actually, that, that wasn't that hard. Uh, and, and I was a bit lucky in the, in the sense that, so as I was like t- t- telling you guys, so I started collecting Chinese watches at age 14. And I, I, I very quickly bought a lot. But you know, like vintage Chinese watches, back in the days, like you could buy them for like 10 US for one. And uh, I was lucky because with my family, we were going to China quite frequently. So I just bought loads and loads and loads. And I was talking about them online on forums. And it was a time where like few people like were talking about those in English. Um, so I befriended, I think, like the few people who were talking about that. And one summer, actually in Beijing, like I just stumbled upon one of the guys that was chatting like online. It was pure coincidence. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like Canadian and he was on holiday. And we just like met in a like really random shop. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think I had more chance of winning the lottery. Uh, but see, and this guy, th- this guy was like super connected, like uh, with everyone in China. So he introduced me to uh, a guy who was sort of like the head of like the Chinese chamber of watchmaking. And I clicked very well with him. And then the next year I came back to do like my year of study abroad. And he basically took me under his wing. And for one year, he showed me around like, all the movement manufacturers, wow. like all the good suppliers, the watchmakers, the artists, the designers, uh, the design teachers, the watchmaking teachers, the retailers. So after that, yeah, I sort of knew, okay, if one day I want to make a watch, I know exactly with whom I want to work. Like it's going to be like those guys. So it wasn't so that helped a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, actually like, like this bit was, was, was sort of like sorted out. So then, you know, when we were doing the design, what we did is that uh, we just call like the, the like design teacher friend and we ask her like, okay, do you know any good watch designers? And she recommended some people and we got oh. them and then like movement. Okay. Those guys, case, those guys, hands, those guys. So mm. that, that was like so you sort know. of relatively more straightforward. Wow. I'm curious. Um, you know, you, you'd mentioned uh, some of the challenges that you've experienced in some areas in China. Mm-hmm. What, what, What's a company that is doing exceptionally well in that marketplace? What what is it that uh, is calling the majority of like the Chinese population's attention in some of those those points? You, you mean like in regards to like watches? like other brands? Yeah, yeah. Like what what is it that what do like Chinese people buy as watches? Yeah, what do they like other than like Rolex? I know Rolex is you know big yeah, myth everywhere. Ro- Rolex, I, I think it's it's kind of like I mean. The brands that are successful here, here are successful also there. successful in China. Mm. Like so, Rolex is is really big. AP is doing a tremendous job. Patek has always been the, the sort of like gold standard. Um, yeah, like you really see so that. So the luxury market has a lot of similarities there. The, 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 definitely, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. mean, if you give may give some credits to, to those brands that, that are really good at marketing and they really like cornered the market. Then if you look at I mean, the, the story is a bit more different if you look at sort of like the very accessible ends of the market. Yeah. There you have like a lot of local brands, hmm. but, um, but they don't really appeal to like sort of like watch collector audiences. 
you know, it's like it's more like fashion watches or mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so no watch collectors, like no no special like watchmaking appeal, more like design driven, yeah. uh, very mass, like distributed in like malls mm. and like big supermarkets, big stores. But otherwise, for the big brands, yeah, it's mostly like Western brands. Actually, yeah. that's also wh- one of the reasons why we started that because we thought, okay, so you know, like all, all the Swiss and German brands. They at least have some parts made in China. Yeah. Because anyway, the Swiss laws are just so permissive that mm. you can have anything made anywhere. And it's super easy to have your watch like qualified, uh, qualifying, sorry, for, for Swiss made. Um, the talent is there. You have really dedicated people, really skilled people, really, I mean, amazing people. But still, like, how come you don't have any like sort of like very recognized mm. Chinese watch brand? How come you don't have an aspirational one? How come you yeah. don't have like a Chinese Rolex? So yeah. I was going to ask you too, because in the, in the West, um, at least here in America, unfairly, um, Chinese manufacturing is associated with um, counterfeit. Not well, there's that, but I think just in general, questionable quality, mm. Mm. which I think is incredibly unfair. Uh, it is. But. What is Atelier Wen doing to sort of combat that yeah. in, in the West? Yeah, no, fair, 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 fair. So I think for us, the, the main way we're combating it is by making like super high quality mm. Chinese watches that are sold uh, more or less the same price as the Swiss brands or German brands or any other brands. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like at, at the same price of any like super high quality like watches. Uh, regardless of where they come from and and yeah for us like by doing that by showing that hey okay that's a chinese watch but before anything that's a great watch and yeah. okay it comes from china we hope that this way you know we we can show people that well made in china is is not at all like uh, counterfeit and like shoddy goods i mean that there's really like some some super high quality both in terms of manufacturing but also creativity that, mm. that come from from the country um uh, and I think this image comes a lot from the fact that everything is made in China. You know, you have like the very low end to the very high end. Um, at the end of the day, it's more like a matter of budget. Like, what are you willing to to put uh, to make your watches? I mean, of course, if you want to make a twenty bucks watch, it's going to be like a twenty bucks quality. Sure. Uh, there's no there's no magic happening here. Um, but still, like that kind of like then clutters the, the mind, and people uh, then associate made in China with that. Whereas exactly. you can make pretty much anything in the country. And if you look at the history, I mean, they were the OGs of craftsmanship, mm-hmm. like uh, all like the enamel, the porcelains, and and so many more. I mean, they they've been making that for centuries, if not thousands of years. So yeah, there's definitely like a, a real know-how of craftsmanship and real talent so Are you i fine? wish people like yeah. see this more rather than just like focus on like a small subset sure um, yeah well what's interesting too is so you know this came about i hadn't heard about the brand up yeah. until recently um via a friend of of ours and a friend of the podcast yes uh, who's a heavy watch collector shout out to to our homie aaron um who plugged us with you guys and you know, Aaron's one of these people who, when he talks about a brand and he's excited, you listen. Yes. And so I imagine that you guys are moving into a space where you're having some success with American consumers. Mm. Are you finding that m- more American customers and collectors are opening up to the idea of collecting Chinese made yeah. watch? 
But you know, it's funny because I mean, from the beginning, our where we had our largest community was always the USA, mm. and I mean, I, I never thought this would happen because maybe I mean maybe it was very like shallow of me, but you know, you look at the sort of micro environment and you see that I mean, U, U.S. like Chinese relations are, are not that good, and mm-hmm. uh, China maybe doesn't have a really good image, like in sort of like the the overall like U.S. So. I never thought like uh, American people like would buy like our watches this much, um, but then like talking with some of our customers who then became friends, it seems to me that I don't know maybe people here are like more open to new mm. concepts and they are like more willing to just yeah try something new like what whatever that is yeah uh, so yeah I think that's that's one of the the big reasons why we we had like a question. big like American community. Well, to so when I was listening listening to you, um, I think the biggest takeaway is the fact that you know we are open to um, other ideas. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like I think in China they are very traditional and like you know kind of stick to the guns. Um, I think you do have to earn that kind of trust for that kind of community, um, and. You know, when you were explaining just like, you know, your 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 success and, you know, your challenges and things like this, like I think about the times when I'm up at three in the morning and I'm and I want to purchase a watch. This happens fairly often. It happens fairly <laughs> often. You speak into a guy who owns like 60 watches. Damn. To this point now, this is the thing. And. You know, why I feel like everything is so relative is because Perry is someone who's very studious and like he's the guy that would DM me about the brand. And I'd be like, you know, I'm going to buy that Atelier win. Like he'd be like, yo, he'd be like, yo, what do you think about this? And I'm like, this is hot. I'm going to I'm going to buy it. And I think in America, there are a lot of enthusiasts and people that actually like. It doesn't matter what's on your wrist in, in, in a lot of communities. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a c- certain time where we believed that you had to have a certain watch in order to have a conversation. Um, but, you know, I think brands like Seiko, um, you know, Undone or like any of those Japanese brands that kind of like taper off. Mm. Um, even like something like the electricians where like it's just this kind of like weird and obscure thing. And you really don't understand it. There's someone in America that does. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it. It's like, there can be, I, I don't know, I, I like the fact that people here can be very open. And I mean, I don't know, they're, they're very open about getting excited about anything as long as it's interesting. You know, there's like sort of like no like previous judgment. It's like, if it's cool, yeah. whatever that may be, maybe like someone will get excited about it. And this, this is really nice. Like this, this is what I like about also like uh, yes. our communities here yeah. is that, yeah, th- they can get excited about it. It's not like, I don't know, you know, I, I look at friends, for instance, uh, where, where I come from. It's like, uh, I mean, I feel like in terms of like, maybe like image of China is the same situation. The country has a pretty bad image, but then people like stick to it and they're like, no, I won't buy a made in China watch. And you're like, oh, but look, it's like handmade Gioche. It's this guy, it's very special design, it's 904 steel, it's very specific movement. We did this reason, I mean, A, B, C, D, whatever. 
and there are still noise made in China, I don't buy. Yes. But here I feel it's like, you said that and you're like, oh, you know what, it's cool. Yes. Yeah, let, let me have a look. And, and that, that is nicer. That is very true. I think, yeah. you, I think you met the right people here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So did you, did you intend to kind of like, um, like impact the US market? Oh, not at all. Like when, when I started it, <laughs> I was absolutely clueless. I was like, I don't know. I, you know, the, the thing is that I just thought, okay, I, I met all these people in China. They are really extremely talented. They are really passionate. And what really moves me is that for a lot of them, like their job was their life. You know, you would meet those watchmakers and they love their job so much that they would like live and breathe it. And then like when I go back to France or the UK, people would be like, oh no, made in China is like those kids in like sweatshops. Stop your oh, bullshit. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, it hurts a bit. You're like, oh, but it's not how it is. And you mean, it's, it's really not how it is. So then that's, that's why I started it. But like n never, I mean, I didn't have the, the US like in my mind. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, when I started, I was really clueless and a bit reckless. I just thought I, I need to make like really high quality Chinese watches to, to show them that it's not what they think. Mm. Um, then it's just sort of like organically happened. But it's, wow. per it's perception of how we see factories and manufacturing. It's like we, I think it comes with the people like a lot of our favorite brands make stuff in China. Oh, yeah. But it's, yeah. it doesn't start with made in China. It starts with the creative person who's, are you trying to make a quick buck or are you trying to have a legacy? And I think that's what it is because Bon always tells me like there's places because we do like clothes and stuff and it's places that you can make quality stuff. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Yes. But it's who's selling the stuff. Yes. Are you trying to cut corners? And it's just like yes. we like a lot of well-designed clothes and we pay good money for these clothes mm -hmm. and some a lot of those clothes are made in china but they're yeah. made by master craftsmen master craftsmen and that's a, that's a conversation that doesn't happen enough and we're privy to this because of our backgrounds in, in fashion and manufacturing there are places in china where you know you take like uh you know one of our favorite brands like a double rl mm -hmm. and the hand-knit uh, linen cashmere sweaters that we get and the intricacy and in how it's woven and literally talk to craftspeople who make these watches and then designers who will tell you there's no one in America that can make this. Yes. Mm. That's true. They don't exist here anymore. Yes. And um, the, they can't do it of that quality. Yes. And the people who are making it are paid well they're artisans who command a certain value yes but they can still make it for us at an affordable price you know we're talking about a 14 1800 sweater that if you make it here is not going to look as good but it's also going to be three times the price yes right yeah exactly. so it's funny because you use the word perception and that's the name of the watch Wow. <laughs> yes. Serendipity. And we're talking yes. about uh, yes. craftsmanship. And w one of the things I wanted to get to is, you know, when you hold this watch, you touch it and you play with it and you're looking at it. This thing really is beautiful. Thank you. And it is, uh, it's very easy for someone to assume that the dial would be made on like a CNC machine or something. Mm-hmm. Mm but you're, you're producing these, these dials, which you just showed us, on what's called a rose machine. Yes, yes, yes. That's beautiful. And uh, this, is, this is not an easy machine to operate. No. This is someone who has to be very, very skilled. 
it's a it's a labor a, a laborious process um they have to have an amazing eye they have to have very steady hands yeah. uh the machine uses no electricity no where did you find someone yeah. <laughs> Actually, it, and it, how did you convince him you, to make you, all these you, dials you, for you you know it's a funny story because it's there's only one such guy in china <laughs> and only one such guy in asia i mean it's the same guy but uh, at the beginning, we wanted to do CNC because we had no idea like we'd ever be able to do like real guilloche. Right. But even CNC is hard to find because it's it's not just you you put your thing in a machine and and call it a day. I mean, because I mean with CNC guilloche, actually, what they aim to do is to replicate the real thing with the guilloche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually, there's a CNC which is engraving, and you need to have like human controls next time. But anyway, we couldn't find anyone in China who's able to do that. Mm. And then, like, through some friends, like, I don't know, we talked to, there's this guy in Beijing who is quite connected to, like, the arts and crafts scenes, but who, for whatever reasons, really can't stand us. Oh, uh, So okay. we asked him, and he's like, oh, because uh, we asked him for, like, CNC, and he was like, oh, but CNC is really shitty, uh, no one does it, and anyway, you guys are so shitty, the only real thing is real guilloche and i know the only one in china who does it mm. but he will never want to work with you because your brain is really lame oh and then we asked him like oh but can you at least give him give us like uh, his contact number he's like yeah but it's, i mean it's useless he's not even gonna reply to you so he gave us the contact number then we reached out to the guy and the guy was like oh hell yes let's do it uh, <laughs> wow. it's just i don't know why this guy in Beijing really cannot stand us like uh i never know this why, gentleman but... probably told him no on something so he's just like it didn't work yeah Ma- maybe <laughs> but, but yeah so that's that's how we found him but i don't know this this man like who, who does our gear is a bit of like a, a special character because it's it's so odd that he started doing Yoshe, you know, he has like, he, he was born in a rural area, like in Honan province, a very poor family. He sucked at school. So at 14, they sent him to the outskirts of Beijing to work factory jobs because he was just he so bad. Gyoshe. No, he, he didn't even pick up Yoshe then. He was just like working odd jobs, like mm. factories from factories. And then like he, he started doing an apprenticeship in like uh, precision machinery. Mm. Uh, but it took him like, more than 10 years to finish apprenticeship. Mm. And finally, when he was in his 30s, he had like somewhat of a decent job, a flat. He was starting to build a family. Like his life was finally starting to settle. And then like a friend of his like visited him and showed him an old like Russian like uh, guilloche cigarette box, mm. you know, like from like the, the Tsar era. And something happened in his head. He just found the thing like extremely pretty. And from one day to another, he left everything to start doing guilloche. So he went wow. back to Henan province. He found like a cave where there used to be a factory, but this one was abandoned. So he put his atelier there because he said there would be no vibrations. But of course, like you don't get a rose engine like that. I mean, the machines are not being made anymore. Right. They don't come up for sales. And the very few times they come up for sale, they stay in Switzerland. They don't go to China. So he wanted to build his own. But he had no idea how, and he didn't even know how to use the internet back then. Mm. Uh, so for like three to four years, he started like trying to make a rose engine, and he failed. He failed. He failed. And finally, after four years, like he had like a sort of like semi-working one. Wow! Uh, but mm. made by himself. And at the end of the day, it was so different from a regular rose engine yeah. that he even got a patent for that. 
Wow. Yeah, no, it's it's like it's it's really like uh, really special. And the way like he sort of got a bit like noticed that I don't know how, but he, he was like enrolled in some sort of like Chinese like local talent show like huh. on TV, and uh, he won that. And then like suddenly like all the spotlights went on him. And uh, and yeah. wow, wow, yeah, that's incredible. But this guy is. I mean, what what we like as well is that. I mean, the, the story is nice, of course. Sure. It's, it's, you know, it's an old story. It's like, it's not something that was meant to happen. Like, how come? Uh, wh- why does he pick up like a very old, like, yeah, European, we f- like, we found the only guy yeah. in all of the country producing this no. who just so happened to teach himself and build his own machine. But no, but that's really cool. <laughs> but wh- what's even cooler is that he, he sounds like Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man. But who, who knows what he's going to come up with after? But I don't know what, what we like is that he doesn't want to remain like a standalone craftsman. He actually wants to inspire other people to do this. Wow. Uh, he doesn't want just to be an oddity. Like he wants mm. to actually like share that and have like younger craftsmen who pick it up and become Kiyoshi master in their own like rights. Wow. So that, that's what we like as well. So he has some apprentices and uh, we helped him like build new machines. Uh, so now, like, there's more people sort of like learning the craft, and who knows? Maybe in five, ten, fifteen years, there's gonna be like a few like globally recognized like Chinese Kiyoshi master craftsmen, and uh, I mean that that would be really cool because that's uh, incredible. Yeah, that, that, that would be incredible for sure. So this watch, um, feeling the watch, handling the watch, the materials are all very premium. Mm. Uh, the other striking aspect to me about it is um, you can feel it's robust. It also feels nice to the hand. It's like very smooth to touch. It's incredibly thin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the movement? Because as I understand, this is also a Chinese movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a- a- everything is, is made in China. So um, and actually thinness was one of my main concern because actually the, the previous watch he wasn't that sick he was like 11 dot something uh but because of the way we built the case it looked sicker so this one i really wanted it to be seen and that like was mainly driven by the, the movement we're using mm. um actually it's a it's a custom-made movement i mean it's not like it's not like fully custom-made you know it's not as if they made a movement fully for us um but we work with this movement manufacturer in dandong which is in the northeast of the country in mm. the province uh it's actually the border city with north korea uh, oh wow yeah that's what they are famous for but uh, for us it's, it's just the movements not okay. not not north korea thank <laughs> god uh yeah. but yeah they are one of like the big like chinese movement uh, makers like mm. they're not as big as seagull seagull is the largest player in the country mm. but they are still pretty big um and recently they came up with a new architecture which is called sl1 which is like much thinner it's like a single plan movement oh, wow. um so not like a neta where you have like the auto widening module on top but everything is on like a single plan and we asked them to do something for us uh, which would be like a tiny tiny bit thinner uh but also like with more power reserve better accuracy what's the power like, reserve on this it, it's 41 the issue is that good um it's, it's kind of stand out, but because the movement is so thin, uh, their own calibers come at like 38, and mm. I thought like 38 was really borderline, so mm. we worked to increase that to 41. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's also like more precise, so their movements usually leave factories at plus 25, minus 15, 
I always leave the factory as plus minus 10. Okay. And then, of course, we like adjust it to its five positions. So it's, it's, it's below this. Mm. Um, also, it's, it was supposed to be a movement with dates, but I don't really like dates. There's no dates. Uh, but we, I didn't want to have like the ghost position, so we removed like the the whole thing, so there's only like one position. Mm. Um, and well, I imagine I, I don't. I mean, a, a gear die. I don't want to date either. No. Yeah, no, you would yeah, completely no. kill the thing. It's like because yeah. I mean, the, the pattern, you know, the focal point is really the center. Yes. And, and the beauty of it is that you want to create this kind of. Um, it it, it's a bit like a well, you know, like yeah. a yeah. tunnel. Like it, it needs to go to the center. If you have a date, it just destroys yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so no date. That's agreed. That's agreed for sure. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. And using nine hundred four steel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like all premium materials. And you got the uh, you guys like kind of fabricated your own class yeah. adjustment system. Yeah. 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 So that that actually was quite quite a journey. Um, at the beginning, we had actually another design which is a bit more similar to some of the. Uh, some of the ones that exist today. So th- there are not that many watches that have microarchers. Like IWC does it, Moza does it, um, Longestone does it, and the Odysseus. And Tudor does it, yeah. Yeah, Tudor as well. But we really wanted to have like an on-the-fly one. Mm. Um, the, the reason was that, I don't know, from my personal experience wearing bracelet watch, I thought that the fit was often not right. You know, it was either too loose and then you had this thing going up and down like continuously, which is really annoying. Mm. Or if it was too tight and then like you felt like, I don't know, someone was really kind of like holding your wrist. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to have something where we could like just adjust it based, based on the situation. Um, and initially, yeah, the design was similar to those that exist. Um, but I don't know, then we were not that super satisfied with it. Uh, so we just reworked it over the summer mm. um, and now it's, it's much, much better. It's really easy to use. You just need to press that big button. Yeah, um, I, I agree. When I put it on, I was like, this is extremely easy to get on. It. Thank yeah, you. Yes, yeah, thank exactly. you. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah, it's really cool. You know something, and I may be jumping the gun. No, please go ahead. Um, but so when you put on and off the watch, mm-hmm. I think the, the highlight when you take it off and like you slide it off your wrist and you kind of turn over and you see the case back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The like this like half division of like, you know, a bit of an exhibition. But then you have the uh, the beautiful Chinese lion. Mm-mm. And, you know, to your point where you said, hey, like, you know, I understand that there's a bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Of course, like people are going to make their connections. And that's just like the way um design language works we all need each other to coexist um but i think something that makes it very unique about this exhibition case back is the fact that or like this partial exhibition case back is the fact that you know you did stay true to the chinese like heritage so like when you see this watch like at glance i was like what is it Mm. and then when you stare at it more you see it and it's like kind of like like it's like oh i love this yeah, like it, really it kind of cool. gives you a bit mm. of like a, a joy you know so it, it makes sense as to like what what your vision is mm. um and i think that you have to be a true enthusiast mm-hmm. to appreciate it yeah it's like one of those if you know you know yeah and it's okay if you don't even the outer outside of the dial do you see the like the I don't know what it's called. Yeah. It's very, it's very subtle. Oh, like the track? 
and it no even the design the like the interlocking kind of like yeah that's a bit of like is that was was that supposed to be like the mini track is this the mini uh, track so, yeah so actually this pattern is called like my one and uh it's it's a pattern that is meant like to bring like good luck and good mm-hmm. fortune and we used it on our first series so it's it's funny like you talk a lot about design language and that, that's the question we always ask ourselves is how do we build our own design language mm-hmm. like how is it how do we do so that when people see the first series, when people see the second series, they're like, oh, that's Atelier 1. And not, yeah, and not, and, and not just like, that's nice watch A, that's nice watch B. And mm. no link between them. Mm. So we, we really try like, to take some elements from like, the first series and to integrate them into there. And one of them was this like, pattern, like whole Hoenn pattern. But you, uh, you can't really see it. Like if you're looking right at it, you have to have it up close. Yes. Mm. And it's just like most people in design would try to go all out and make it yeah. right in your face, but it's something that you have to see up close because I didn't see it until I looked at the actual like dial. Oh yeah. The, and you the, see the, it around the mm-hmm. around the dial and it's just like, oh, okay, I see what you did here. Yeah. yeah I get it. So it's just like I, I, I like that aspect. Thank you. It's really thank cool. you, thank you. But yeah, and also to go back on your point of like the sort of like looking indexes, uh I think this is one of the inspirations I like the most because it's it's all like driven like I mean at least the dial by Chinese architecture. But we we sought to they, they have this ancient like building principle which is called like Sun Mao and it's like mortis and tenons. So they would like sort of like stack elements on top of each other and there wouldn't be any nail or glue like just mm. like looking into one another. So we sought to actually build the dial in such a way. And there's four different levels of height in the dial. So you have a base, and then like in the base we have this like guilloche, like uh, smaller dials. And then in the Gyoshi small dials, the indexes are nesting in. Mm-hmm. And then in the indexes, you have like the elevated chapter ring that sort of like looks into them. So really everything is like piling on top of mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And we, for us, it was yeah, kind of a good way to get inspired by this old principle and apply it to, to the watch yeah. format. That's so you're great. taking actual principles opposed to just, yeah. uh, let me put this graphic on the Yeah, no, but yes. th- th- that's, that's the difficulty because, you know, it's, I mean, it's so easy to be like purely like figurative, like, oh, you put a Chinese character and people will assume it's Chinese. Uh, but then the difficulty is really is how do you translate like core principles into Western format? And, and I'm not saying we do it right because you look at our first series, you had Chinese character, not like, n- not just for the sake of them being there. I mean, it was a reference to an old like time telling system that actually was from China, but still you had that. So, for us, it's also like a continuous challenge as to how can we be less and less figurative and more like how do we look at the past to really build a, a modern Chinese style for watches, mm-hmm. which is like the challenge, but which is also like what's pretty exciting because again, like n- no one else is doing it. So you, I mean, you're free to give whatever answer you want to, to that question. Do you, do you find a challenge in like consumers if it's, you do, they don't know the story. They don't know the, the design elements. They, they don't understand the principles. And when you tell them, then they're interested. Do you find like a challenge in getting clients that way? Or do you get more when you actually explain that? Mm, that, 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 that? That's a bit of one. But for us, really, the because I feel it's like, I don't know. Sometimes m- m- maybe my, my, my understanding or vision of it is wrong. But if it looks nice, if it looks real nice, and if it's thoughtful, you'll attract people's attention. Mm-hmm. 
and then you'll be able to tell them the story so for me it's always like that it's like first you attract the attention and then you're like okay now that i have you let me explain you why it's that mm-hmm. but i still feel that the difficulty lies on our side more like how, where do i mean we know we're trying inspiration but how do we actually translate yeah. it in a way that's meaningful and purposeful yeah and that, that's that's tough uh yeah because people always yeah. are like yo you should explain this you explain it's like why would i have why you have to explain it if you yeah. made it also too like i think the the toughest part too and you know tyler i think you can kind of explain to this because you know like as creatives if you don't have like a brick and mortar or if you don't have like something visual for people to see so like you know for what you do and like what you provide to you know your space and the community and everything you know, I've, I've seen you work and I've seen like what you put out and like, you're like, dude, like, it's like, are you just doing this out of like a simple studio? Like, or, you know, even to your point, it's like, you're conveying a message like without like a standalone boutique. Like, I, it's, it's, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. And there are the ones that are going to know. And, 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 you know, when you get to that space where um, it is to the masses, like, the Rolexes, the protects of the world, mm. because, you know, the, it's changing of the guards. Yeah. And you have to be ready for the call. Mm-hmm. As long as you stay consistent, you know, your time will come. And life is very relative in that because, you know, your story sounds very similar. And I wanted to speak to this is like your story sounds very similar to um to a previous guest that we had as far as like Manny mm. and how Manny used video games and just met someone on the internet to, for him to find his passion mm-hmm. in being like a pilot to whereas yourself is like you were on the forums and especially you're on the forums when things weren't popular, where people didn't understand it. Yeah. You just had like a bunch of guys on the internet just like chatting and you're like, you know, I mean? you could be doing so many other things yeah, than yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But then you find your passion in like, what was the odds of you meeting the guy that was then going to change your life? Yeah, no, but definitely, like, when I, I look back at it, it's like, it's like pure serendipity. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you said it. I, I think, yeah, you, you said lives. it. Um, but, I mean, this guy was on holidays. That's the thing. It's not as if he was Chinese. Or and we hadn't talked about us being in Beijing at the same time. He was not even a watch-related shop. It was like a random shop, like a random, random, random one wow. in a city where you have like almost 20 million inhabitants. Mm. And still like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit crazy. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And that, that, that really like, yeah, made it possible. Otherwise, I would have never met those other people. Maybe I would never had that moment of like realization where I'm like, oh shit, it's, it's really amazing. And people <laughs> think it's, it's really bad, so let's do something to, to kind of like fill the gap. Um, mm-hmm. No, so yeah, it's amazing. So with where you are today, and in terms of like, I know the pre-orders are, are done on this. Mm. Um, we're also nearing the end of 2022. Yes. But what does production look like for Atelier One? How many pieces? are you guys doing annually? What do you think you'll be able to do annually in terms of scale? Mm, the, the biggest bottleneck, I mean, the only bottleneck really is the dials. Or really? all okay. the other, yeah, all the other components, it's more like industrial suppliers. So if you tell them I want 1,000, 10,000, 20,000 watches, they, they can do it. Sure. They have very good processes. But our, our friend cannot 
pump out 20,000. Yeah, pounds. that's the thing. It's like he makes dials. Uh, at most, he makes two per day. Yeah. Now, there's wow. one of his disciples that started like making dials. I mean, at the end of the summer, so we can increase a bit the, the production, but not that many. Um, I don't know if you can make like five, 600 watches, that, that, that'd be good. Um, is that going to happen? Uh, not sure. I mean, even if I'm being optimistic, I think it's going to be a bit below that. Sure. Um, then hopefully as well, because the brand is, is really about the culture, the, the craftsmanship. Then, I mean, I want to explore some of the crafts so that, that that's one of them. But then, yeah, hopefully we can, we can also work with other craftsmen simultaneously. I mean, I don't want to, you know, just release it and then like uh, retire it. And sure. Then, I mean, th there needs to be a brand, so th there needs to be product that, I mean, as much as possible also. Well, like I think you have here. something here. I mean, but, even just looking at it on your wrist, playing with it, like, it's a beautiful watch. Thanks. Yes. It really is. Um, what's next with the brand, for the brand overall? What's next yeah, for so we, we have some cool stuff. We have a chrono version of that. It's of this? Yeah. Okay. The dial is, is not certain it's going to be Gaucher. Maybe it's going to be another. I mean, at the beginning, it was supposed to be Gaucher. And then we thought, you know, there was an initial war factor with that where people absolutely didn't expect like a Chinese Gaucher watch. Mm. Now they expect it because we're doing it. So yeah. would the war factor still be there? Not sure. So we want to find something else that's going to really surprise people. So we're working on that. But also the movement is going to be really special. Mm. Uh, it's not just going to be a normal movement. It's going to be like fully hand finished. Oh, it's wow. going to be wonderful. Uh, it's, it's really, 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 really going to look the part. So mm. that, that's going to be a super cool watch. Um, otherwise, we also started working with the oldest, actually, Chinese watch brand. And we're doing something together um, that is going to be quite, quite fun. Nice. Um, and then we have like a few other stuff which are still like too preliminary to talk about. Uh, hopefully it will be nice. Exciting. The, the goal, I don't know, we have this goal of at some point making our own movement, n not because, not for the marketing aspect of it. I think it's, it's a bit useless if you do your own movement mm -hmm. just for the sake of making it that's, yeah, that's useless. But because it's, we want to have something that's maybe a bit like higher performance than what's mostly available in China sure. and with like much higher finishing. So, like super high power reserve, very high frequency, and like a real like, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking like Vutilane and finishing, but at least like a kind of like luxury, like uh, mass production finishing, a like kind of like Rolex finishing for the mm. movement. I think this is something we could achieve. So um, this is something like we're sort of like also doing the groundwork on those days. Mm. And hopefully in 2024, we can have like the first ebosh of yeah. that. I hope so. Incredible. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thanks a lot. This yes. has been a lot of fun. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, you have an amazing story. Uh, you have an incredible product. Thank you so much. I think that's, that's, that's very, very clear. Um, I know you're going to be in New York sometime, so it's going to be a pretty busy week. Yep. You, you're going to be uh, with some friends of ours at Complecto. Shout yes. out to Jason Gong. So I'm really excited about that because we'll be there as well. Yes. And I look forward to, to seeing more from Atelier One. I'm a big fan. Um, if, you can, if you can squeeze out another watch, 
I, I might purchase one. <laughs> if, 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 if you if you give me a Seiko, we we may have a deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll talk about this after the yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Robin was a, it was absolute pleasure. Uh, yes. Thank you for joining well, us. Th- thanks a lot. Uh, big shout out to our co-host this evening, Tyler. Back to back. It's crazy. I yeah, wish yeah, I could yeah, say yeah. some crazy first. shit on here, but you know. There's o- there's know. always a first on, on Rich Trick Pod. You're the first back-to-back co-host. Yes. Um, but this was a, a real treat. Uh, for those who are watching, uh, we appreciate you. For those who are listening, uh, for those who are tuning in, you know where to find us. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We are now also on Patreon. Yes. Where you can subscribe and pay for exclusive content. Uh, or just choose to support the podcast financially because it costs money to do this. Yes. And uh, we've got some more tiers coming out for you all and uh, some more goodies. So please join in on the fun and subscribe. Yes. And we will see you all next week. Yes. Deuces. Peace.